Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry every week. Occasionally we take a week off, but it's very rare. I'm joined, as always, by Diamond Creek Bomb, Miss Annie Creekbaum. Bomb. Mm-hmm. As many times as I say it, I always mess it up. Clegbaum? Yeah, exactly. I know. I, it's hard growing up with an 11-letter last name. 11 letters? Yeah. Well, you're Axelrod Welk. Yeah. Now, you know? I mean, now I am. You have a hyphen and everything. No, you have an intermission in the middle of your name. Do you want to hear something crazy, actually, speaking of that? So last week, we had to get more copies of Evie's birth certificate. She was born mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. You can order more copies online via, like, the whatever state, you know, Massachusetts State Birth Certificate Center. And you had to write in who the mother was and who the father was. It wasn't parent one and parent two like it is on the actual birth certificate. So, like, in order to, like, order it, I had to, like, put Casey as, like, the mother and me as the father. Why didn't, you couldn't just write a letter and send it in the post? Well, I mean, I guess I could have made a stink about it, but all I really wanted was the birth certificate. I was like, that feels really old school. And it's very rare in my very, very privileged existence in Los Angeles, between Los Angeles and New York City, that I come up against systemic homophobia. But the UX designer for the Massachusetts birth record website is a total homophobe. But it's institutional. It's systemic. It's not them. It's just the idea that, like, there are these systems and structures in place that do not accommodate for my identity, which is something a lot of people experience. And I very blessedly do less so than others, but it was kind of eye-opening. And I was like, who's the mom, I guess? I don't know. I mean, dumb people ask me that all the time, and that kills me. In what context? Making conversation. Someone be like, well, who's like the mom? What, so if you're if you're out with Evie, like on a walk? Or just like, I'll be like, oh, my husband and I have a daughter. And someone will say, oh, like, that's great. Like, who's more, who's like the mom? And oh, I'm like, that's such a weird question. And then they also ask, well, whose is it? <laughs> Is she yours or his? And it's like people, when you're different than normal, feel that they have the right to ask you like the most personal invasive questions when they're just like knowing you. Would you rather them just not ask like that question in particular? Well, it's an outrageous question to ask. Would you ever ask a straight couple with a kid to clarify, like, who's Jeanette? Like, oh, did you guys have this baby together or is this a baby from a previous relationship? Like, you would never ask that question when you just met the person. When you just met the person. Yeah, Yeah. it's weird. I mean, like, with a very close friend, you might, like, ultimately have those conversations. But, like, it's, it's the thing that I felt, actually, when I first came out of the closet was, like, when you are gay, which is sort of, like, atypical, so to speak, you have to discuss with people your sexuality where like straight people never have to like talk about their sexuality with their grandma. You know what I mean? By coming out, you're also sort of saying who you're like sexually attracted to. And that is like, who wants to bring that up? You know, even just have that conversation. Nobody. And my favorite thing when I first came out was like when I would tell someone and they'd be like, well, why didn't you tell me? It's like, this is not about you. People would be like offended or hurt that I didn't tell them. And I just always found that to be such a weird reaction. Were you like, well, you didn't tell me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You didn't tell me you were straight. I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, Casey works in an industry where he sees lots of different strangers on a daily basis. 
Yes. And he'll have strangers be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, whose baby is it? Like, who's the father is the best way that we've heard it. And it took us a long time to adjust to that question because it's like a jarring question to be asked by a stranger. And the way we've decided to answer it is, oh, we don't know. (laughs) Because it's a dumb enough answer that it kind of like shuts the person down. Yeah. The other alternative would be to say, we're both the father. But that almost is like a little bit angrier and a little bit more confrontational than like certainly Casey and his in that dynamic is able to do. Like it would just be more awkward if he said that. No, because that it would it would be calling out the person for like their ignorance or their like intrusiveness. But yeah, so now we just say we don't know. And then people but are this like, this is the most huh, perfect okay. way to do that. <laughs> yeah, let them figure it out. I love that. Yeah. We mm. don't know. Just roll the dice. Anyway, beyond my incredibly privileged otherness. What's going on in New York City? New York is cold still. Nothing new to report, Nick. You know, I've just been heads down working. I've been staying alone at my boyfriend's apartment, which is nice. Nice to get out of the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How are I you know. guys? I feel like, it, am I turning into that girl that's like my boyfriend, my boyfriend, my boyfriend? No, not Which is yet. funny because I've always been very anti-talking about my boyfriend because there was a point where I, casually there were a few. So I <laughs> couldn't talk about <laughs> Yeah, to be sure you were like saying the right boyfriend to the right person. My friend. <laughs> no, it was always my friend. Oh, there. That's good. I'm always uncomfortable when I say my husband because it sounds like, I feel like I'm insecure that it sounds like I'm bragging or something. I don't know yeah, why. that's what I but feel like feel, too. It but feels braggy. But, it's but like, it, also feel, otherwise, it also feels like I have nothing else to say because what else do I do? I like We literally hang out like right. <laughs> all the time. So if you ask me what I've been up to, it's hanging out with my boyfriend. And so like people that I even know for like a long time, I'll still say my husband because I'm worried, oh, maybe they like don't remember that his name is Casey and they're going to be like, who the fuck is Casey? So like I just keep on saying like my husband, which like makes me sound like I'm like throwing it around. Like, well, my husband and I, but I guess it is like a normal <laughs> thing to have. It's not like saying like my summer house. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> no, mean? No, a lot of people have husbands at all different income <laughs> levels. I know. Maybe it's because I'm gay and I feel like it's like... What, you didn't know gay people could have husbands? (laughs) Yeah, it's like my husband. It's like I'm making a statement. That makes me cringe and hate the sound of it. Any good beauty products? Any good beauty store run-ins? Any good... Mm -hmm. Oh, I had a whole weekend. Yeah. Where'd you go? Okay, so I started out going to Sephora. I got my mom some new eyebrow pencils and she was in town the other day. We went home. I tried them on her. The one that she liked, she kept. We took the others back. I know it's not like, listen, it's my mother. I wanted her to try them out. And I strolled in early on a Saturday morning. The best Sephora in New York, which I think is the one in meatpacking, and just had a a whole like... Went through every department, every end cap. Nothing went unsampled, unnoticed. They were sold out of almost everything I wanted. So I was taking photos of all the Tom Ford stuff and sending them to you to ask your friend who you (laughs) name checked on the podcast (laughs) if she could get it for me. So will you tell me like what were your like thoughts, things you noticed, just any sort of just lay it on me. So this Sephora has all the premium brands. Sometimes you go to a Sephora and they don't have all the brands that Sephora advertises as having like Gucci beauty. So this is where I had the whole Gucci beauty line. The lipstick colors are actually really great. I ended up with several. They have a bronzer that's nice. It's a little orange. What else did I get? Oh, Danessa Myricks, which this is what I wanted the to talk what? about today. The what? 
Danessa Myricks, it's a new brand that Sephora carries. They were actually my product of the week. In one of our first episodes, I bought a liquid blush from her through her D2C website, but now she's in Sephora. And I got her, I love a liquid eyeshadow with a doe foot applicator, and I got a warm, taupey, liquid shadow, no shimmer. Really, really, really like it. So get that. But then on Instagram... Afterwards, they announced that the brand has basically invented a new foundation. So just when you thought there was no innovation to be had in the world of color cosmetics. Boom. It's called the Yummy Skin Blurring Balm Powder. So I haven't tried it. It's not in stores yet. I actually don't know if it's officially dropped. Oh, 429. Damn, they're doing a lot of pre-marketing for this. Okay, that's something else I noticed. They're getting incredible content and reviews and like a lot of people are talking about this product, but it's really early to start like teasing a product. Can we retire the tease? Everyone is teasing things. Just tell me when I can get it. I'm not going to remember and then like store it away for a rainy day. Just tell me when it's there. I don't need weeks of like something's coming. I, know, like, I, I don't know. need that. I don't. I know. But get we talk about a lot of something's coming on the podcast, so... Because that's what we're being fed. True. So you just want everything just to, like, be available day of. Don't tell me until it's ready, yeah. Yeah, that's what we ended up doing eventually at Glossier. We were doing, like, I don't know, weeks of teasers or, like, education and then dropping the product. But then what we realized was, like, if you get people interested in what you're saying and you get them hooked in enough to, like, come and learn more, let them be able to buy it then because you might not get them back. So yeah, we started like really like shortening the like teaser time periods. I think we were doing like two weeks at one point and then we shortened it to like a few days, if at all. And then it became drop it like a Beyonce album was like the phrase used around the office <laughs> when you would do no teasers at all. And it would just like appear one day. But anyway, this product, the blurring balm powder, what it looks like to me is the Tatcha makes a balm, like a hot pour primer, which is like their silk canvas primer. Do you know what I'm talking about, Nick? Now that you're a Sephora expert, now that you wear makeup. No. By the yeah, way, how's your this... setting spray treating you? I don't think it sets anything. <laughs> what is a set? Like, what? what is the thing that's I it's setting? I mean, like, I've been using it, but it just feels like a face mist. Yeah, that's funny because the setting spray category has really expanded to include, or it's been diluted, I would say. Yeah. Setting sprays can be anything from a water to something that has but like what what that has what that's a good question i wonder <laughs> I what i don't understand uh, how you know it's i don't like setting any i don't think it's setting anything i'm gonna have to get back to you this i'm not a big setting spray person at all you don't set it set it and forget it yeah you don't i'll set with some powder because i read tom ford thinks that every woman should basically bake white setting powder under their eyes i used to do that but now i don't but then you could end up like angelina jolie in that picture i know he loves old hollywood like that <laughs> I was thinking somewhat <laughs> older than that, but I'll do a water mist just to kind of break apart the makeup and make it look more like natural and lived in, you know. So like to ruin it, kind of. No, it's like when you um when something dries and it's like cures. That's like its final form. That's the best version of that, and that's the same with makeup. Like oftentimes when you put on makeup, especially if you're using like powdery products, it can sit on your face and then like. Maybe an hour later, once you've moved around a little bit, your body temperature has warmed up the product. It 
melds together, blends into your skin better and looks more natural. It like absorbs a little bit or something. Yeah, your natural oils will start coming through. You'll get that nice glowy finish if you didn't like just cake on way too much. But yeah, I think makeup looks better, more lived in for sure. It's like the same concept with like smudging your eyeliner, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I get that, I guess. Anyway, this bomb foundation, <laughs> back again, is basically this Tatcha hot pour, you know, silicone bomb that you, Tatcha mainly markets theirs as a priming product that you put on before foundation. Or they say you can just wear it on bare skin just to like take all the shine down on your face and like blur mm-hmm. everything out. This is a foundation, the Danessa Myricks one. So it looks to be that same texture, silicone hot pour balm that then gets very melty and creamy when you start using it. But then it dries down to like a glowy powdery finish. It's really nice. Like, did you click the link to see the video? No, I'm looking at all the products on her. She has so many products. Yeah, she's like a makeup artist product She's like, these chrome flakes look insane. Yeah, she has really cool stuff. They're she's so really cool. cool it's like crackled metallic paint. It's a cross between a metallic eyeshadow and a glitter. They're really cool. But I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of this like balm to powder foundation after this product. I think it's so innovative. It makes perfect sense. I think she's going to kill it with this. There we go. Danessa, should we get into top stories? Let's do it. Nick, when's the last time you ordered something on Farfetch? Yesterday or two days ago. Oh, so you're a customer. <laughs> so I'm a customer, and this actually leads into the story, which is I... <laughs> That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but my motivation for going to Farfetch versus another retailer... Okay, let's hear it. ...is to either find a size in a, in a clothing item that I can't find locally in like either a store in LA or on Mr. Porter or something. If it's maybe a few seasons older, I'll go on Farfetch and it'll be like in Tasmania, there's like a boutique that has it and like DHL will send it for free in two days and you get the size in the thing you want. And that's like the idea and the beauty of Farfetch was that it created a network of all these tiny boutiques around the world that you could order clothes from. And it works particularly well in fashion where there is a limited quantity of size small spring, summer, 21 Prada hats or whatever, right? And yet they just launched beauty. Which is totally different. You're completely spot on because that was... I don't want to misrepresent. I did not ever like really work directly with Farfetch, but I did do like a bit of consulting for another agency that was like consulting on Farfetch. And we did like a few day sprint on positioning for the brand as they were expanding. This was like four years ago now. Thank you for your disclosure. But that's their positioning and that's their like reason for being is like you said, there's this finite amount of fashion items because every season, you know, brands are releasing new stuff. There's not really evergreen things in fashion. So it makes them covetable. And then they're like spread all over the world. And Farfetch is the place where all these disparate boutiques can come together and have their stock online so that, you know, the person, you know, Nick in LA that wants the Bottega bag that was sold out everywhere else can get it. And it helps everyone kind of like it helps a small boutique sell through their merchandise. It helps people who want to get pieces have access to it, even if it's sold out. Like, 
why should the only place you could find something be in Beverly Hills or New York or Dallas or Chicago if you could find it in somewhere in Italy or in Austria or whatever? Right. And all these boutiques like don't have the resources or the wherewithal to like create a website of their own and be right. able to have incredible SEO so people can find them. That said, beauty is weird. There are like fashion, makeup, especially items, skincare too, I guess, that will come and go. But for the most part, it's evergreen. Like you're producing like tens of thousands the brands on Farfetch, like even more than that of a single skew so why do you need to go far to fetch it is the right you don't have to go that far so they launched a beauty vertical on Farfetch. it was expected after they acquired violet gray several months ago which is a beauty retailer in la but what i found confusing is that given what we both have conceived of as the sort of thesis of Farfetch, the edit that they have debuted doesn't make any sense to me. It's basically all the brands you can find literally everywhere. Chanel, La Mer, Charlotte Tilbury, Westman Atelier. It's like luxury skincare makeup. It's luxury skincare makeup. And so, you know, it. I guess I would have understood if there were more like French pharmacy brands or... Yeah, wait, they're bullshitting because on their Instagram caption that I read, or maybe it was the WWD article, but it said indie brands is what they were going to be focused on. These are not yeah, indie I mean, brands. Well, I guess they're Indian that they're not, you know, sh- well, Concord, Chanel. Concord, Chanel. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but I guess like they have Augustus Bader, which is considered an indie brand because it's not already acquired. But come on, indie brands and beauty, like to your point, that could have gone so many more interesting directions. Exactly. And I guess that's what I feel like was a miss. So For example, Nivea cream, you know, like the cult original Nivea product in the blue tin, like the German formula of Nivea cream is different than the one you can get here. So what I'd like from Farfetch are like the actual German, German manufactured, you know, pharmacy brands or the, you know, Japanese manufactured brands, the sort of like locally manufactured brands that you can't buy in America. Nick, you should be charging them for this. I know, but that seems to me, and maybe I'm an asshole for saying it, but that seems to me like the obvious way you would extend the Farfetch thesis to beauty would not just be to offer La Mer, which you can buy in Sephora and in probably Macy's, but to offer like the products you can't, or you have to go to Korea. Yeah, Yeah, the niche stuff. And Mm -hmm. that's different than the version you can get here. Mm Mm-hmm. Perhaps, though, the issue that they ran into is regulations and regulatory stuff. So maybe because of the way that their model works, and I'm just guessing, but maybe because of whoever you're actually purchasing from and is shipping, because I don't know whether it's Farfetch or the company itself, but like maybe they can't sell a brand that's not regulated or that doesn't have the necessary whatever labeling. Well, that's 100% true. Yeah, you can't. Because it would have to be like gray market in order to be able to do it, right? Right. But isn't yeah. this kind of gray market? You're like buying it from a store in that country just being shipped by a third party. I don't know, though, how they're fulfilling their beauty. Exactly. So like, are they buying the beauty and like fulfilling it from like the Farfetch office or are they buying it? Yeah, there's no boutiques involved. Actually, we, I can answer that question for us. <laughs> They have a hundred yeah, beauty that's brands. The other thing. I mean, there's no way because who's going to trust that like, I don't know, the Armani Foundation that, you know, has been around for 
forever that you're buying on Farfetch. You don't want it to come from some boutique in like Greece that, you know, has been sitting in the sun for like years. You know, like they're not like just collecting makeup from all around the world and shipping it to you from wherever. No, correct. And that makes sense, especially with obviously shelf life and stuff like that. But I guess what to me is confusing is like, okay, you're going to launch with a hundred brands and there's literally not one brand that's exclusive to them. Literally well, not the one. the Off-White, which we both learned through this, Farfetch owns Off-White. Yeah. Is that really the only place you can buy that Off-White fragrance? I don't know if it's the only place you can buy it, but oh, they have Epilogic. Yeah, uh, Dr. Jenatin. Yeah, that's her brand. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's something not everybody has access to. True. If it had been sort of primarily those brands, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, like Japanese empty makeup palettes and like yeah, brushes. Like that's what I and, want from like yeah. a global platform. Farfetch, get us. What's my favorite brush brand that I love so much? Oh, God. You can literally go into like Annie's bedroom, go under her bed to like that one thing of things she has from Japan and just source those things. I keep it in my office now. Yeah, oh, Farfetch. Okay. Hire Nick and I will do a weekend sprint. Yes. We'll give you the friends and family rate, which yeah. is... One million dollars. Split. <laughs> like, so we're only, it, yeah, exactly. It would be made out to the eyewitness LLC, <laughs> which we do Correct. have. And, you know, we'll take care of it from our end. And then there are some extra expenses on top of that. But yeah, we will totally. We could also like pare down their current offering. Like you don't need to have Sunday Riley on the website. You don't need to have Barbara Sturm on the website. You don't need to have La Mer on the website. I think Barbara Sturm is a good one for them, actually. They're always sold out. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, okay. okay. Gucci Beauty, Tom Ford Beauty. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I also, we were having a little bit of a laugh that they had the fanciest debut shoot <laughs> with like 25 people credited for having, it was like SMA French and <laughs> like shot by someone. Yeah, it was like aesthetic teasery video montages and the same stuff that I think every luxury beauty brand wants to have no matter their budget but clearly Farfetch has an incredibly large budget to do this campaign 25 people on a shoot I did a shoot last week with four people including the model (laughs) can I say one other thing I'm looking at the pictures that Farfetch posted to promote the launch and they have pictures of all these different people like SMA French and these models wearing makeup And all they say in the caption is that they're wearing bold eyeshadow that she chose on Farfetch Beauty, but it doesn't give the credit of what the eyeshadow is. Or like a burnt orange lipstick that she chose, or like an argan body oil. But that's not how you shop beauty. I'm going through their website and they don't even have the editorial on the website. So if you you wanted to go You literally can't find the eyeshadow that Isamea French is wearing. Oh my God, I didn't notice that the model, they put a Farfetch tattoo on his chest. Interesting, I guess. Are we being haters? I don't know. I I think think we we need a compliment sandwich. Yeah. I literally bought something on Farfetch the other day. I think it's great. (laughs) What did you get? Oh, I'm looking for a, I don't know. I need sweaters. I need just like things that make me look. I've realized that for the past two and a half years, I've been clinically incredibly depressed. And Mm -hmm. I like have worn only and exclusively sweatpants and anything with like elastic in it. And I feel like the only way I'm going to get out of this rut is by dressing for the you know job I want, which is as like a not depressed person. 
So I just thought like, okay, I need to start just like looking a little bit more pulled together and like all of my Amazon sweatshirts and, you know, hoodies and shit. Like I just, I I have to do something. So I'm looking for sweaters. I'm looking for like a cool work bag. I'm looking for some nice pants. I don't know. So that's what I was looking for to hopefully take me out of my rut. Nice. I'm looking for platforms. Okay. Well, I'll keep my eye out. I guess the next story that is near and dear to our resumes. Icy cold hearts. Yep. Is Olivia Rodrigo and who I said this to Casey and he was like, who's that? (laughs) Olivia Rodrigo, who is the Gen Z superstar musician behind driver's license. And then she had that song. Good for you. She has 24 million Instagram followers. She was just announced as essentially like the face of Glossier the first time that they've had a face and she's going to be helping with content creation and product development, according to Glossier. And this was followed by a seemingly like (laughs) just like bitchy article in business of fashion that said, can Olivia Rodrigo save Glossier? It's like, I don't think it needs saving number one. And number two, like, I don't know what is her issue with Glossier? Yeah. You were saying that there's a reporter, that kind of has consistently had it out for Glossier. Yeah, like there was that article that first said the rise and fall of Glossier. It was like the anonymous sources and like zero actual sales data. Yeah, that's the weird thing. It's like any brand that makes millions and millions in revenue a year is is not in trouble. No. <laughs> Unless they're spending more than that, which they're not, you know? Yeah, I don't, I was a little confused by that. I think Olivia Rodrigo is cute. My take on it was like I don't know how she helps okay but she's not to me at least and I'm not Gen Z she's doesn't seem like a real 3D fully formed Gen Z personality she seems more like a face no Nick she totally is it's not like she's big on her TikTok or something that like it's about who she is as a person it's more about like her music but she's at the level where like she can post something totally cryptic or somebody can see an object in the background of one of her like Instagrams and that thing will sell out. Like she doesn't have to try to have that much influence. She's like Billie Eilish. She's like but Billie Eilish at least is like on TikTok and revealing a bit more of her personality. And but her personality comes through her music. That was like her whole thing was like driver's license was so, you know, quote unquote groundbreaking because it, was it like felt personal. honest and real, you know, and relatable for life as a teenager at the time that nobody else was really like besides like maybe Billie Eilish was doing a good job of representing I think she's cool but I just was like I wonder what kind of a lift is it more just like attention and just the Instagram followers you think that will hopefully help sales or for me what it does is it shows that like they're firmly Gen Z it's a Gen Z brand that's what it is now but they define millennial pink and that was the struggle right it was like this if you think back to like when we launched Glossier, I remember we did like a montage video where Emily went out and gifted the first products to models, like the cool models at the time. They were all in their like late 20s, like early 30s. And the idea was like, it was French pharmacy beauty, just the essentials, model off duty. Like that is like very older millennial now. And yeah. that whole kind of age group has, in my opinion, aged out. Well, they've aged out of Glossy, but I think also in general, like beauty brands kind of are 
neither here nor there and marketing to them in a good way. I think like Westman Atelier is yeah. a brand that like speaks Merit to them. But, or Say? Uh, say, I think, is like younger millennials, older Gen Z. So you're saying like for the 37-year-old person, like what brand is for that person? Or like the 42-year-old? Yeah, the 40-year-old. I would say like Merit. I can't play. Ilya? Yeah, exactly. Ilya. Cosa? Merit, I like no, can't Cosas. place. Cosas. Same, I would put Kosas and um, Say and like the same. And I think Fenty probably too actually captures that yeah. generation. Yeah. So anyway, it's just been interesting to see because you could feel it happening. You could yeah. see like, for instance, the stickers were supposed to be like just a fun novelty thing that like people would think was cute. And then it became such a... Synonymous with the brand. It began to define the brand in a way that right. I don't think anybody really expected. This like playful, cute, youngness, which unfortunately was like the struggle in terms of like brand positioning because the products were so great, but people, I remember having to like constantly- Didn't take it seriously. Yeah, validate the performance of the products and how great the formulas were because people just thought it was like all branding. I think it's hard also to like take that insouciance and like the sort of like innocence of youth or whatever and keep it relevant as like- time goes on and like existing customers get older, new customers come in who like their youth looks different than like our youth was different than these kids. And exciting times, something's happening there. I'm glad their shoot budget went up. That must be really nice. (laughs) Do you want to talk about Supreme Mac and cheese or is that too like emotionally draining? (sighs) It's too emotionally draining. There's Kraft Mac and Cheese for Supreme, yeah. You posted it on our Instagram. Oh, though, that does remind me. Did I mention this last week? In the Johnny Depp Amber Heard of it all, he sued his <laughs> I business... I can't get into this story, Nick. Okay, hold I'm on one sorry. sec. He sued his business management firm for, like, mismanagement of funds, and they countersued him for, like, whatever, libel or something. And one of the quotes, and I'm paraphrasing, was from the head of the management company, that said something like, wine isn't an investment if you drink it immediately. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. Okay, good. Because that to me is like buying the Supreme mac and cheese. I'm like, it's not Supreme if you eat it. Well, they did the Oreos before. At least Oreos probably would survive a nuclear holocaust. Oh, probably you don't think Kraft, Kraft mac and cheese <laughs> would too. I think, you know, I take it back. I take it back. You don't think hydrogenated cheese powder would survive the apocalypse? No, you're right. You're right. Your girl was in the campaign. Their spring campaign. Oh, I know. Julia Fox. I just, I hope, I really hope that she is a good actress. I think she was really good in Uncut Gems. And I just hope that in her next movie, she kills it. So people take her seriously. Because I think there's a lot of like misogyny in the criticism of her. Do you want to expand? I think that like the whole making fun of her uncut gems interview and like the muse stuff was making fun of her voice, which I don't think is funny. Which let me tell you, I mean, you've read the reviews. It's like like, girls get called out for it. And so I feel like with Julia Fox, it was like, oh, Kanye has a new dumb girlfriend. And here's a dumb interview where she talks like a valley girl who's dumb. It's just like it feels very loaded to me. And I don't like that. And I also just think that she's interesting and has a cool personality. I also die for Debbie Mazar and people who are sort of made in her image. Probably like (laughs) the most exciting into the gloss story I ever did was Debbie Mazar. I edited that one. That was, oh, she was amazing. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so I, I'm hoping for the best, but I don't think the best for her is like doing Supreme ads. Just, I think 
listen, I saw Spring Breakers. I think Harmony Curran is like stale as fuck. I'm sorry. Spring Breakers was probably 10 years ago at this point. I know, but like he shot the, you know, he shot the photos. I know, I know, yeah. That whole world of like the Terry Richardson scene. I know that like apparently Indy Sleaze is coming back, but like, I don't know, like I'm in a short skirt and heels and I'm the flight attendant sitting in the guy's laps. Like that whole kind of sleazy Terry's diary phase, like, is that appealing to people anymore? Like I, and I'm not saying I'm like, I was always above it or I even am still, but I, I remember being that young and thinking this was like the coolest shit happening in New York. Yeah. And I wanted to like go to Terry's studio and like, yeah. and then we reflected afterwards, even this was years before the podcast, but like we were talking about the whole like shitty men in fashion list that came yeah. out and you made a good point at dinner one night. You were like, why were we all looking at Terry's diary and seeing like a model with tears streaming down her face with a guy's like toe in her mouth? Yeah. Why are we looking at that thinking like the model was happy to be there? <laughs> like it's yeah. like on her face that like this is, abusive and demeaning and demoralizing and every other D word that we could come up with. And we were just like looking at it and being like, this is art. (laughs) This is great. This is our culture. (laughs) I have a question actually. What is Terry Richardson up to now? Is he still low-key shooting? Yeah. Did we talk about that? I feel like he's still shooting stuff and just brands aren't saying it. Really? But I haven't seen it. It's not like a What's his name? Bruce Weber or Mario Testino, who like are just kind of keeping on going. I just, I don't see any Terry Richardson. The shitty men in fashion didn't really make a dent in anything. I mean, we know I was like seeing a guy that was on that list and it like ruined his summer. And then immediately he was like shooting huge campaigns like a few months later. It was like back to business, like same old stuff. Really? Crazy. Yeah. Oh, okay, here. This is according to Artnet.com. Since the fall of 2017, Terry Richardson has lived semi-anonymously in Bearsville, New York, near his wife's wellness boutique in Woodstock. Okay, so they went upstate. (laughs) They went upstate. Classic New Yorkers. Speaking of upstate, did you see that Audrey Gelman, former founder and CEO of The Wing, And former girlfriend of Terry Richardson. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Former Terry Richardson girlfriend opened a little boutique in Brooklyn that sells country core, cottage core stuff, like homewares, like plates and napkins and candles. It's called Six Veils or something. The Six Bells. What a random turn of events. You know who is going to come up with the sickest? Okay, first of all, there's two women that are doing really interesting stuff in home and lifestyle. Only two? Only two. I'm going to tell you who they are. One, Beverly Nguyen. And Beverly's shop is her really chic, cool, like highly edited, functional, like essentials for the home. And they have been working with Nordstrom doing like shop in shops. Anyway, great stuff. She's at that girl Beverly, if you want to find her. At that girl Beverly, Yeah. Really incredible outfits. She's like always in Chanel. <laughs> like she, she's so great. And then Layla Gohar is launching her own brand. Ugh, I love Layla. Called Gohar World. She taught me how to cook beans. This is Layla Cooks. Layla Cooks is her Instagram. L-A-I-L-A Cooks. C-O-O-K-S. And then Gohar.world is her new, I don't know what yet. I'm sure it's going to be like full of delightful surprises left and right, but I'm guessing it's home home goods. Ooh, that's exciting. I think she was working on something with hay. 
Yeah, she has a collaboration with Hey Design, the homeware purveyor. The other thing I love about Layla is that she kind of is genre blending. Like she's not just a chef and she's not an artist. She kind of creates these art installations made out of food. You have to look on Layla Cooks to see what I mean. But yeah, I agree. She's very talented. Yeah. So those are the two people doing interesting stuff in homeware right now. No shade to Audrey Gallman. Maybe her store is really cool too. I just don't know about it. It's in Brooklyn on Court Street if you ever want to check it out. What else do we have? Oh, the donut. The donut I had strong feelings about. The donut. Speaking of shoot budgets. (laughs) Yes, go. Well, let's just catch people up. Okay, so the glazed donut skin phrase or concept was something that was birthed from the internet circa 2015. It was before Glossier Haloscope launched, and Glossier did not invent it by any means, but it we posted a, a conveyor belt donut. of yeah. crispy cream donuts because the idea is like that smooth, glossy, glazed skin look with the, like the white highlight that a freshly frosted, smooth donut a la Krispy Kreme has. That's what you want your skin to look like. And Haley Bieber's skin definitely epitomizes that on the day-to-day. But the teaser image that they released for her new skincare beauty brand, Road used... A delicious-looking donut, I will say. And it is a glazed donut, to be fair. It's actually my preferred donut if I was eating it. I'd rather this, like, country—I think it's, like, a country-style. It's definitely rustic-looking. Yeah. And the the texture is not the smooth, highlighted. It's matte, crusty glaze that is dry. The yeast has, like, kind of collapsed and created a— Dips and valleys. Yeah, like crevices. Topographic. Cracks and crannies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I just want to know who was in charge of getting the donut for the shoot. That's all I want to know. Who was the prop stylist? Yeah, that poor person. Like, maybe they were like, it's going to be easy. I'll just get one on the way. And then they tried (laughs) to go to like eight different donut shops. And it's just, to me, it's a little bit like, Haley, you have set the bar so high for yourself. I am personally looking forward to seeing what you've created and this is the first, this is the first thing we saw. Should we do product of the week? Yes. You go first. Can I use my product of the week as like my arts and culture segment? Yeah. I know I'm late on this, but Amy Sedaris's TV show is gold. At home with Amy Sedaris? Yeah. Have yeah. you watched it? Yeah. Why? You don't think it's that funny? No, I thought it was funny. It's it's a lot. It's like, you know, it's a lot. So good. If you haven't watched it, it's like her take on like a Martha Stewart program with like home, like crafting tips, cooking tips, and like lifestyle tips, all in different segments of the show, but with her very like irreverent humor. It's fucking hilarious. And uh, Cola Scola is in it. If you like Cola Scola, I think they're hysterical and I'm obsessed. <laughs> that's that's how I found out about the show to begin with because I came across Cole's Instagram and there was a hilarious video and then I saw that they were on Amy's show and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch it because yeah. this person's hilarious. Well, for me, I'm still making my way through all of my Sephora hauls. So I'm going to refrain from a product of the week this week. I will say that I started a subscription to three of the Goop Glow products the instant facial, the there's like an exfoliating cleanser 
and the Glow Lotion, and I've canceled two out of those three subscriptions. Wait, so why did you start a subscription at all? Because I was actually using it every day, and I was like, I want to not have to like reorder it. Do you have other things on subscription? No, because then I always like, I'm like, fuck, it's like, I love Lucy, the chocolate factory episode where like so many things are coming in. You're like, oh my God, I haven't finished them. And you have like 10 things of like goop glow and you don't know what to do with it. But I canceled the instant facial and the lotion and I'm just keeping the cheapest of all the items on subscription, which is like this jelly exfoliating cleanser that I really like. And I'd love to hear if anyone has feedback about all the Goop Glow products, which is their favorite. I like the brand, the product development, I think is interesting. So I want to hear more about other things that you guys like. Yeah, send us nice things on Instagram. Send us nice things. We had a fun time this week on Instagram. Yeah. Didn't we? We did. I always have a fun time. I'm asking the readers. Oh. I think they did. Here is what I'd like to say. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamyn Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our theme music is by Danny Presant, and our album art is by Simon Abronowitz. Follow us on Patreon. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Eyewitness Beauty. We self-fund this entire endeavor, so every single dollar that we get through Patreon goes directly into production of this podcast. It's a labor of love, truly and honestly. This is actually one of the only times Nick and I get to touch base anymore because life picked up. We're not stuck inside doing COVID alone. So you guys are basically like, this is a three-way relationship between me, Nick, and you. 14 other people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, way to sell it. (laughs) You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty and DM us. And you can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. I think that's it. That's it. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye. Bye.